And this is NPR News. I'm Mike Mulcahy. Thanks for tuning in today. We're broadcasting live from the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester today because there are more than 2,000 Minnesota Republicans here for the party's state convention. We've camped out in a room just off the floor of the convention where uh, things began about a half hour ago or so. The main order of business here is to endorse candidates for all the statewide offices on the ballot this fall, including governor, attorney general, secretary of state, and more. I think it's fair to say that many Republicans are fired up and think they have their first real chance of winning statewide this year since 2006. Joining me now is our reporter, Brian Baxt, who's been here all morning scouting things out. Hi, Brian. Hi, Mike. So uh, tell us uh, what it's like out there. What have... uh what does it look like? What are you hearing? Well, as you mentioned, it was slow to get started. There was a huge line in the morning just for people to get their credentials to get in the door, and that delayed the start about 90 minutes. The Chairman David Hand was just on stage telling delegates that this is going to be a banner year for Republicans, that the only thing that uh, presents an obstacle to us this fall is us. So these delegates are getting told that, that they need to to come at this in a united fashion and leave here without grudges that could cause the party pr- problems in the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do we know uh, what the plan is when the endorsement starts? Uh, Is it going to be governor first? That's to be determined. And one of the reasons to be determined is because the party still has to decide how they're going to vote. The party has a plan to use these electronic devices to speed things along, but there are many delegates out there who want to use paper ballots. In fact, when uh, Chairman Han mentioned that these electronic devices would help the party get to get to endorsements, there were shouts of paper ballots from, from hmm. the room. It's unclear as to whether that's a minority position or a majority position. We'll find that out. But if it is paper ballots, there's some talk that the governor's race would go first because that's the one that the party feels most is most important to get sorted out. The attorney general's race is also a heated contest, and the secretary of state's race will be a contested endorsement. Hmm. The auditor's race is the only one that there is only a single candidate running, so that one will be done Probably by acclamation. Yeah, maybe they might want to do that one first just to get a win under their belt. That's right. Um, So uh, this controversy over electronic voting versus paper balloting, does that go back to the fact that just a lot of the delegates here don't have confidence in elections? Exactly. And then there's there's still the hangover from 2020 where a lot of folks believe that the presidential election wasn't fairly decided and not necessarily in Minnesota, but in other states. I was tagging along with some of the governor candidates as they were uh, schmoozing with delegates at, at the, the at the entry points. And uh, Kendall Qualls asked one delegate, what's his top issue? Election integrity was the first word out of his mouth without without missing a beat. And that's been voiced by other delegates that we've spoken with along the way. And uh, as I understand it, they have the arena until midnight tonight, mm-hmm. and then uh, only until 6 o'clock tomorrow night. That's right. They, the lease that they sign requires them to pretty much uh, vacate the place sometime tomorrow evening. So backing out all the, the, the teardown, they feel like they have to get their business done by 6. So that's another reason why the party feels so strong that these electronic devices are the way to go, because time is going to be a premium. Mm-hmm. And a uh, half dozen candidates for governor, mm-hmm. um, but one of them is a no-show? That's right. Uh, Rich Stanick, the Hennepin County Sheriff, who was the last person to enter the race, is not planning to be here in Rochester. And uh, there's some discussion that he might move along to a primary. He hasn't said that yet. There's only one sign with his name on it in the convention hall, and it's Get Well Rich. And that's because he had an automobile accident in, in April, and he's, he's been uh, slow to recover from that. Well, that's interesting because, uh, as you pointed out to me earlier this week, 
this Republican endorsement uh, for governor in particular mm-hmm. is a pretty good indicator of who's going to be on the ballot in November, right? That, that's right. In every election since 1998, the endorsed Republican has gone on to be the nominee in the primary, even though some have faced either token opposition or uh, considerable opposition. The, the nomination or the endorsement has held and, and it's because it's the grassroots of the party expressing its preference. And, you know, I ran into uh, Julie Quist, who, if the name sounds familiar, it's because she's the wife of Alan Quist, who was the 1994 endorsed candidate who didn't get the nomination. He was beaten by Arnie Carlson, who was the incumbent governor at the time in the primary. But that was the last time that this endorsement hasn't held. Wow. Um, So six candidates, maybe five candidates competing for this gubernatorial endorsement. Is there anybody at this point who is the odds-on favorite? A lot of folks believe that Scott Jensen will be ahead on the first ballot, but being ahead doesn't necessarily mean you're the endorsed candidate. You need 60% of this convention to get the endorsement. So second and third choices will be key as some of the candidates who don't get certain thresholds drop off the ballot. Where their supporters go will determine whether there's an endorsement and who will be the endorsed candidate. And and Kenneth Qualls, when I, I mentioned I was tagging along with him, was out there asking people in Jensen jerseys and other T-shirts of other campaigns, keep an open mind, consider me if you're, if you're ready to move, uh, make me a landing spot. Uh, he, he could accrue some benefit from that. Uh, but Scott Jensen, I think, is widely considered to be the, the man who will have the, fir- the first ballot lead. Okay. And is there any chance that, given these time pressures and given the argument over you know, voting security or how they're going to vote, that this convention could end at 6 o'clock tomorrow night without an endorsement. It's tough to see a scenario where they these delegates don't endorse. They don't, don't endorse. They spend a lot of their time and a lot of their money to get to this convention. I mean, it's hundreds of hours and hundreds of sometimes thousands of dollars to actually be part of this process. They want to endorse. They feel like they need to unite as a candidate. But keep in mind, this is a subset of a broader electorate. So whoever comes out of here will need to appeal to a broader Republican electorate, both moderates and uh, the folks who might be more conservative, and then to the general election audience, which uh, won't necessarily be weighing the same issue sets that, that folks here are. Well, and that brings up another question I have for you, um, because it seems like all these candidates for governor and, and the other offices, too, uh, seem very committed to former President Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pushing a lot of the election security issues, a lot of the things we've heard right. uh, from him saying. President Trump lost Minnesota twice, right. and he lost uh, by more the second time he ran than he did by the first time he ran. He's still a powerful figure in this party. There are booths where you can buy merchandise with his name on it. There's a lot of folks who came with their own merchandise or with their own apparel with, with Donald Trump's name. He's a, he's a very uh, powerful force in the party, so they have to keep his uh, him in mind as, as they're persuading these delegates to come their way. But when they run in November... Does that make it harder to go back to the middle? Well, you can bet that the Democrats will be ready to tag anybody who comes out of this convention as a a pro-Trump or or a Trump-like candidate. Uh, Whether that's effective or not remains to be seen. It's going to be a a tight election, I think, by all indications. There's going to be some third-party candidates who will get some of the vote. Uh, The Democrats are facing headwinds because of the issue set that inflation is a big issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's still some frustration over the way that COVID was handled and Mm -hmm. and whether education was was, uh, 
sacrificed uh, in, 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 along the way. So this is going to be a very tough election no matter what. What rises to be the, the main attack lines, it's still, still out there to be defined. They have to pick a candidate first, I guess. That's right. That's why we're here. Brian Bax, thanks for coming by. Uh, Go scout around a little more. Maybe we'll talk to you later in the program. That's uh, NPR News reporter Brian Bax, who's our uh, eyes on the uh, convention this weekend and really has has the heavy lifting to do. Uh, You know, uh, we are broadcasting live this hour from the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester, where the Republicans are holding their state convention. Political parties everywhere always try to attract young people. Uh, they, they make for energetic volunteers. They really do represent the future of political movements. Now, Aaron Ferris is one of those young people. He's 19 years old, and he has already been elected chair of the Republican Party of Minnesota's 1st Congressional District. And Aaron Ferris is with me now. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So how did you get interested in politics? Yeah, so I got interested in politics from a very young age. The age of 14 is when I first started getting involved because I like being one of those people that instead of just sitting back, complaining about the issues and waiting for other people to solve my problems, I like to get out there, be part of the solution, and come up with ways to make my community a better place for everyone. And you you did that by uh, becoming not only an active participant, but also now an officer in this in the party. Yep, absolutely. Yep. My first thing that I ever did to start getting involved in politics was I went and staffed a fair booth at my county fair in Freeborn County in Albert Lee for the Republicans, obviously. And ever since then, it's just been history. From there, I started making calls for candidates, just finding any ways that I can help because I, I love helping the candidates in this party. It, a lot of the people in the party are like family to me now. They're just incredible people. And I started making phone calls, knocking doors. And from there, just kept on going from one thing to another and here we are today the rest is history wow uh okay here's an embarrassing question were you old enough to vote in 2020 i was not so my first vote ever cast was last year on a school referendum for my local school district so this is actually my first time voting and it's cd1 it's really interesting because i'll get twice the opportunities to vote this year because we have our special election here absolutely and i'll ask you about that in a minute but um why did you decide to become a republican and not a democrat or some even third party Yeah, so I like the Republican policies of lower taxes, less government, and making sure that we give people the control over what they do in their lives and how they do it. Um, I don't affiliate with the Democrats. I see a lot of things that I'm not a fan of, especially right now. We have, you know, skyrocketing inflation, the high price of gas. We have a humanitarian crisis on our own southern border a party that doesn't support law and order, you know, those kinds of things are not, I'm not a fan. Um, and so I really like the Republican Party's policies there of securing our borders, lowering taxes, and like I said, smaller government, smaller regulations, those kinds of things. Uh, okay, you mentioned big year in the first district. You have that uh, special election to fill out Jim Hagedorn's term, and then the regular election to fill out the next two years in Congress. Do you think Republicans will hold on to that seat? I absolutely do. I think that people, obviously they sent Jim Hagedorn back to Congress twice. Jim was an incredible person. The state of Minnesota and the country are worse off without Jim Hagedorn in the world, in my opinion. Um, But I do think that we will elect another Republican. Um, People sent Jim back to Congress twice. They really appreciate the work he did. He worked that district hard. He was in every parade. He was at city council meetings. He was meeting with people of every different branch of everything, really, in southern Minnesota. He did a lot of work to keep this district in Republican hands. And I think the reason that we were able to take this district from a district that went for Tim Walls, I believe, six times by overwhelming majorities a number of times to being, this is a Republican district now with a PVI score of, like, I think, R plus 14 or 15 now. PVI, what does that mean? 
partisan voting index. Okay. Yeah, or partisan voter index, one of the two. Yep, so that just says this is how Republican of a district it is, which obviously that doesn't mean the Republicans are going to win with 14% of the vote, but it is a good indicator of how conservative or liberal the district is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does the chair of the, of the district uh, party do? Yep, so the chair of the district party serves as the face of the party, helps our county Republican parties. We have 21 in in the first district. We make sure that everybody has all the resources they need to succeed to not only help whoever our endorsed congressional candidate will be, but as well as all the state legislative candidates down the ballot as well. Any resources they need, it's CD1's job. That's our first district Republican party, CD1. It's our job to make sure that they have those resources and that they have any help they need to win elections for Republicans everywhere. And does that mean you're not technically a delegate to this convention? Do you have to stay neutral in some of these races? Nope. So, my, so I am a delegate, um, and I do know who I'm voting for for certain things, but I'm, I'm staying private about it because, you know, you don't want your position as a party officer to influence any other delegates. You want to keep the process pure. So I'm, I'm staying out of it there, but um, yes. Okay, so who are you going to vote for for governor in the balloting? <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't say just in case any of our delegates might be listening, um, but I don't want to you know, taint the process. But we have a number of really good candidates for governor. I think we're going to have a fantastic nominee, whoever we come out of here with. And I hope that the other candidates, as long as we make an endorsement, abide by it. And I think we're going to have a really good convention. Are you confident there will be an endorsement for governor? I think it depends. I know the the late start definitely does not help things, um, and then it'll kind of depend on if we do electronic voting or paper voting. Um, It really does depend. So we'll see. Now, I have to tell you, uh, you know, I've known some 19-year-olds in my time, and I was one a long time ago. Um, (laughs) A lot of young people are worrying about a lot of other stuff than politics. How do you think more young people can get involved? Yeah, I think young people get involved in politics when they understand there's a need for them to, and they understand that they can make a difference and realize that. I'm 19 years old. I was elected with 82% of the vote at my convention just three weeks ago today. And, you know, the Republican Party, that's a party that I've, a lot of times gets a rap as being a party of a bunch of old people. But, again, I went with 82%. That's not a party that is, you know, sick of young people, doesn't want to hear their opinions. That is a party of people who want to try new things, want to listen to different viewpoints, and who want to win some elections here. Like you were saying earlier, Minnesota, the last time we won a statewide election was 2006. The last time we came close was 2010. Hmm. And it's something that we have to change, and we have to try new things, continue working to be better. And that's our goal here today. So what advice would you give um, more established politicians Uh, who are trying to appeal to young people, what should they do? Make sure they know that they can have a say in the party. They can, you know, if you're talking with a young person, make sure you know, they know that you're interested and that that you're listening. Don't just cast people away. Make sure that people are part of the process if they want to be and that their voice is heard. That's what what young people, even not even specifically talking about politics, you know, talking about teenagers, you know, 16-year-olds, whatever, they want to be heard. They want to know their voices mean something and they matter. And that's the same thing in politics here. Okay, so uh, what are your ambitions? Do you want to be an elected official someday? I don't think about stuff like that too quite yet. Um, I know last year I was elected deputy chair of our Congressional District Republican Party. At the time, I was not planning to run for chair, so things change. I don't have any plans out ahead of this right now. Um, a bunch of people have already asked me if I'm going to run for re-election, and I've just kept telling them I will think about that after the November election is here and gone. So okay. until then, not even going to start thinking about it. <laughs> All right, Aaron Ferris. He's the uh, chair of the 1st District Republicans, 19 years old. Thanks so much for coming by today. Thanks so much for having me. And we are continuing our broadcast from the Mayo Civic Center here as the Republicans hold their state party convention. Uh, and joining me now are two delegates to the convention. 
Melissa Schultz, who's handily holding up her uh, credentials for me, and Jill Anderson. Uh, thanks so much for, for coming by. Uh, Melissa, let me start with you. Uh, how did you get involved in politics? Um, originally, I was a Democrat. This will be my first time caucusing in the Republican Party. And that really came about through uh, becoming a parent and really seeing what was happening. My son was born six years ago, and I just started learning and talking to other moms and looking at what was happening. What schools are we going to put our children in? Uh, were we going to vaccinate them or not? You know, all of these things that parents get start getting involved in. And so this has really been a process over six years. Um, I actually joke that I officially made the switch to the Republican Party in November. And that was after several years of really trying to talk to the DFL about my concerns and feeling that it fell on deaf ears hmm. um, and not not feeling heard as a parent and feeling like I was being told how to parent or what I should do instead of really getting the, um, the support that I wanted and to make my own informed choices in everything involved in parentage. And has the uh, reception been different among the Republicans? Yeah, actually. I was surprised. Being a lifelong Democrat, um, yeah, I was, I was just taken aback by how friendly people were and how kind everybody was. Um, every politician would open their doors for us when we would want to meet with them, ask questions. Yeah, it really grew. Um, and eventually I became a founding board member of Minnesotans for Health and Parental Rights. So it was really a group of parents that were on Facebook about seven years ago that grew into what is now a C3 and a C4 organization. So it's been an adventure. I never wanted to be involved in politics. <laughs> so okay. this is new. It's very new. Well, Jill Anderson, let yes. me let me turn to you. Uh, and first, tell me where you're from. Lionel Lakes. Lionel Lakes. How did yes. you get involved in politics? Um, I've always been interested in politics. However, same with Melissa, I, I, when I became a parent, um, I have an eight-year-old and a set of five-year-old twins and um, started seeing things happening in the schools and that I didn't quite agree with. Um, would love to have some more transparency with the curriculum. Started going to more school board meetings, becoming more involved as a parent um, voicing our concerns, and um, actually pulled my children out of school and now homeschool them. So I would like to help make some changes. And uh, Jill Anderson, yes. I can tell from your jersey <laughs> uh, which candidate you're supporting Gee, for government. I don't know. Uh, Jensen, pretty much, yes. <laughs> and, and why Jensen? Um, he does um, support school um, choice, and so the, the money would follow the um, student. Obviously, you know that. And... Um, like a homeschooling mom as myself, a charter school or a private. And that would, you know, force maybe some of those issues about getting more curriculum, more transparent with th mm. the parents. And we have to, you know, be better about um, building a better teacher-parent relationship as well. So, mm. And Melissa Schultz, um, uh, which candidate are you backing? Um, I'm backing Jensen. We see a lot... Um, so my organization this year, we trained about a 1,000 delegates. We did free delegate training because a lot of people, even myself included, we didn't really pay attention in high school. Like, how does a bill even become a law was something I didn't know six years ago. Mm -hmm. It was kind of just something we learned in high school and forgot about. And so we had to educate ourselves, and we decided we're going to start educating parents on doing that same thing, too. Um, and of about the 1,000 delegates that we trained, almost all of them are Jensen delegates. Hmm. So you weren't the 19-year-old party chair? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, 
What do you make of this dispute over paper ballots and electronic voting? Is that a big deal to you? Does it matter to you how you how you vote? No, um, I trust the the chairs of the party to make the best decision decision for the party. Um, we do have time constraints, and we have to we have to abide by those. There's risk in either. I mean, we've had situations where you know there's time constraints. People can accidentally count something twice. I mean, human error is a real problem too. So, I think it's there's there's risk in any way we choose. But in this situation, I think it's riskier to not end an endorsement because of time constraint. Jill, do you have any concerns about that? Um, I kind of side with electronic. Um, as long as you can follow the process and know how you voted and you can see how you voted after the fact. Um, I was a computer programmer at one point, not in the security part of it, but just querying and, st- and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I think it, electronic is faster. It's quicker. We did it in our uh, CD, our SD36, and it was great. Okay. So, and it, it's quicker. It's just quicker, and you can, it's transparent. You can see it, uh, how you voted. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, well, the ballots aren't getting shoved in somebody's pocket. Right. At least you hope not, right? Right. I mean, uh, well, let me ask you, um, because you, you are both Scott Jensen delegates. Uh, if Scott Jensen doesn't win the endorsement here, how hard will it be for you to um, get behind the candidate who does? And uh, Melissa, let me start with you. Um, I will take that pretty personally. So I have decided if Jensen doesn't win, I will turn my clicker over to an alternate and I will walk away and cry. (laughs) So Jensen means a lot to us. Um, We have known him for a very long time. Um, A lot of parents just knew him from his clinic, being a very safe place to just ask questions. Um, And he is fantastic with disabled children. A lot of disabled mothers uh, and fathers just love him. So for us at this point, um, it's, it's really personal. So, yeah, unfortunately, I would, I would turn it over to an alternate and let them take over. Okay, so it's, it's Jensen or bust. Jensen or bust. Jill, what about you? She's not the only one. So myself included, and I know a couple other delegates that feel the same way. So does it really matter to you that a Republican is elected governor, or is it more that you would prefer that it's Scott Jensen? I think it comes down to we see Jensen as the best of the current Republican candidates. The rest of them, we kind of, many of us, at least for myself, we see the rest of them as on that same playing field. So it doesn't really matter which one of them wins to us. Um, We see Jensen just a little bit above the rest of them, Hmm. particularly in the parental rights side of it. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's not Jensen, say it's uh, Kendall Qualls, um, would you still be as active in the party? Would you go out and door knock this fall, or would it be more of the kind of thing where, eh, I like Jensen, we'll just kind of leave it, see how they do? I will door knock for our school board members that are going going up for election, and our senator and Chamberlain and mm-hmm. um, and the other party candidates. Um, I just don't know where Kendall Qualls falls on medical freedom. That's Jill Anderson. Uh, what about you, Melissa Schultz? Um, yeah, probably the same. I would look more to the local level and, and support the local candidates. Um, I, we have, you know, as being part of a, an organization, 
um, our organization does an endorsement process, so we would look at endorsing one of the two candidates. We don't endorse prior to this process because we do train delegates and we feel that their voice matters. So we didn't endorse Jensen as a as a board. Um, so, but yeah, I would I would probably go more local. Okay, I have to. I know you have to get back to the convention, and I have to go to the news in just a second here, but. Um, Having said everything you said, what do you think it's going to take for Republicans to win the governor's office this year? Jill, let me start with you. Oh, unity, right? And, and a lot of faith. Melissa, what do you think? I think, yeah, unity and uh, kindness. That's, I think, why Jensen is one of our top candidates is because he runs a really kind and honest and he's just a really gentle guy. So... I think that's really what it's going to take. I think Minnesotans don't want the fighting anymore. We just want nice, happy Minnesota nice again. That's Melissa Schultz. She's a delegate from... Lino Lakes. From Lino Lakes. And Jill Anderson, also from Lino Lakes. Thanks so much for coming by and talking to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And this is NPR News. I'm Mike Mulcahy. We continue our broadcast from the Republican State Convention in Rochester. More than 2,000 delegates are here. They will endorse candidates for governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, secretary of state, and state auditor before they go home sometime tomorrow evening. To get some perspective on their choices and the campaign ahead, I'm joined by Amy Koch. She's the former Republican state senator and Senate majority leader. She's a political strategist and one of the voices on the podcast, Wrong About Everything. Amy Koch, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's already, it uh, sounds like an exciting convention happening. So. <laughs> well, it took a little while to get going. You know, there were big crowds yeah. trying to get their credentials here. Um, how do you see this endorsement for governor shaping up? Do you have any idea who's likely to come out with the endorsement at the end? Well, you know, I have, I have opinions like everyone. I think that um, the, the top vote getter, at least in the first ballot, for sure, is going to be Senator Jensen, former Senator Jensen, uh, Scott Jensen. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think that either Jensen pulls it out or we will see no endorsement. It's hard for me to see. You have to get to 60%, which is a large number. Um, and sometimes what happens is you might start with 40, 45, and momentum gets behind you, and you reach that 60. But I find it, I, I feel that Jensen will be the top vote getter. And, it's, and I think the only other option for the other candidates, to be honest, is that they stick around and, and have a no endorsement and go for a primary um, rather than pick up an, an endorsement. It's hard for me to see anybody else getting to 60%. Well, uh, you know, it would be very unusual, though, wouldn't it, for uh, uh, all these delegates to get together after all the time they put into this to not endorse somebody? It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened in my in all the endorsements that I have been to uh, and all, the, all of those that I've seen. I even shared the 2008 convention. Uh, we have always endorsed. Um, 2002 was Palenti and Sullivan. 2010 was another heated Emmer and Seifert. Um, but those are always head-to-head matches. We've got a lot of people in this race, and I think that's what's different. What do you think it is that the delegates are looking for? Well, I think they want someone that's uh, listening to them on some issues that are really important to them. And I think that's public safety. I think that's um, like educational choice and freedom. 
Uh, as always, uh, stalwart Republicans want someone who's a fiscal conservative, um, but also pro-life and strong on the Second Amendment. So there's a few key mm-hmm. issues this year in particular. I think sort of um, education freedom um, is playing a role because people felt very uh very directed in the pandemic and very like, you know, tread upon by like a lot of mandates and requirements. Uh, And so I think that one is rising to the top uh, in particular at this convention. And when you say education freedom, are you talking about the ability to send kids to private school or are you talking about uh, the ability to not vaccinate kids? What do you mean? You know, I think, well, some are for that. Others, I think most Republicans are, are not, but, um, but on the first one, I think, yes, the school choice. We've always been strong on school choice. But more like um, that, that their voices, I think for the last couple of years, parents have felt like when it comes to public schools that their voices um, have not um, been the, most, the strongest voice in the room, whether it comes to the mass mandates, um, uh, with, the, um, with the sports programs, um, with, with, frankly, just being locked down, right, having kids uh, uh, learning remotely. For, you know, for some schools, nearly two years now uh, has been difficult. And so I think all of those things are playing in the uh, minds of the delegates and, and parents that are on the mm-hmm. floor. Um, it seems like Scott Jensen has uh, fired up a lot of people. We just heard from two delegates before, uh, before the newscast who said they are here because of Scott Jensen and that if he doesn't get the endorsement, they're going to sort of step back and maybe not be active in the party as the November election approaches. What do you think it, it is that Jensen has done that has touched a nerve with folks like this? You know, I think, I think that uh, being a doctor, um, uh, he found a platform during the pandemic, and he was set himself up as a foil to the decisions that Governor Walls was making. So he, he, um, he denounced very early. That's a big thing. So he had a lot of time to organize and uh, to raise money. But additionally, he found that issue, and that issue is playing really hard on the floor. Uh, and so, a little bit of a little bit of he got an early, but also uh, and seized an opportunity, but also just a little bit of luck. And that's what politics is all about, right? It's planning and, and timing, uh, but then also getting just a little bit of luck, <laughs> and that's what he got. Uh, you know, from the outside, as, you, as if you're not paying attention to this the, all that carefully, it seems like there's not a lot of difference between the overall message that the Republican candidates are putting out. Are there some subtleties here that you think the delegates might be picking up on or, or might be exciting the delegates that uh, some of the rest of us maybe haven't picked up on? No, I really don't think there's a lot of subtleties. When it comes to a race like this, it has to do with personality it has to do um, with a little bit of that organizing, right? Who's been organizing? Um, and, and, um, and some of it is just um, you know, like getting, getting your people to the floor. Um, but because the policy and the, and the statements, as you said, they're, 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 they're pretty closely aligned. Um, so this is more about inner party, like mechanics. Also, uh, who could be best to put on the ballot against Governor Tim Walz? That's the other question that is circulating in the minds of these uh, delegates on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of talk here, or there is a lot of talk, I should say, about uh, whether they should vote electronically or whether they should use paper ballots for the endorsement. Um, 
is is that because of all the talk about voter fraud and and people might not trust an electronic uh, balloting at this point? Right. So there's some question about that. But you'll notice the Jensen delegates wanted electronic. Um, and there's a reason for that, because time is working against these delegates. Uh, there's a big endorsement. There's an attorney general endorsement. There's a secretary of state endorsement. We've got a lot of different endorsements that have to happen and and, um, and challenges. And there's a hard stop on Saturday night. I think it's at 6 p.m. Um, mm-hmm. for this convention. So so those that want to endorse and not go to a primary are on a tight schedule. So it's a combination of, you know, election um questions and and what happened in the 2020 election but it's also the, the those for and against there might be some that are trying to drag the clock out a bit and then there are others that are willing to say let's do electronic because that's going to be a lot more efficient and get the and and be more potential to ensure an endorsement happens is it possible the party here could pick the wrong candidates and give the democrats a better shot at winning in the fall yeah, for sure. I mean, it absolutely can happen, correct? Um, it's definitely uh, something that's at top of mind, um, but uh, but that can that entirely can happen. Um, and so, because because what what you've got is a you know you, you're talking with the Republican base, um, the most engaged, um, active uh, folks that got to the state convention had to go through a lar- long party process, precinct caucuses, BPOU conventions to get that delegate spot. Um, and so it tends to be very, whether it's DFL or Republican convention, these are the party stalwarts. Um, and sometimes, you know, principles uh, outweigh sort of that, um, you know, electoral win philosophy. Uh, it's weighed, but it's not, it's sometimes it, it outweighs. The principles uh, get a, you know, uh, do that. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But also, and an, an endorsed candidate or, uh, that, you know, if, it's, if they have a primary challenge and they win uh, and they get good momentum behind them and you get the base with you, that can also drive a win. And right now the polls are pretty tight. Um, I think that Governor Walls against a generic Republican is only up by a handful of points, uh, mm-hmm. two, three, four points in the latest polls. So that's going to have these delegates energized as well to try to get a candidate that they, that they can get behind. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, most of the delegates here, obviously, and, and Republicans across the country, very lined up behind former President Trump. Um, does that, is that a winning strategy in Minnesota, given that Trump lost twice here? Right. He has lost twice in the state. I think that the governor's candidate in Minnesota is going to have to find a way to, um, while not kicking off all the Trump supporters, also find a way to be focused. Um, on Minnesota politics and what's been going on in Minnesota. Uh, and they would, uh, they would do well to avoid as best they can, um, the national stage and making this a nationalized election. Focus on what they think is right for Minnesotans because that's what voters across the state want to hear. Do you think President Trump will endorse here eventually? I don't know. I, I, I would, it's, it's been hit or miss in Minnesota. Um, and sometimes he doesn't. Frankly, some of his endorsements was that uh, lately um, haven't been um, the best for a candidate necessarily. So um, I, you know, I think that that there might be a time and a place for that for a candidate. But usually, that happens like in something like this with an endorsement mm-hmm. or a primary process. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. 
And and let me just ask you a couple more quick questions. Uh, how do you think the abortion issue is going to play, given that it looks like the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe versus Wade? Yeah, correct. Uh, that was a big big news that dropped last week, right? Uh, I think it's still playing out. There hasn't been the final decision, so I think I, I think that for folks right now, there's still a little bit of a like, well, is this actually going to happen? Um, but certainly, when it comes to um, women uh, and uh, and women's vote, and 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 particularly in those swingy swingy suburbs where both sides are trying to get a, a, a hold, that issue when it's decided, it sounds like a decision, a final decision in June, uh, is going to have an impact one way or the other. How united do you think the Republican Party is, and how united do you think the party will be coming out of this convention? I know that's probably an unfair question, given that we don't know who the candidate for governor is yet. Right, right, right. And as I said, I think that uh, we could go to no endorsement. If, if the other uh, candidates might, my, my gut, this is my opinion, is that it's uh, either uh, Jensen, uh, Scott Jensen, or we go to no endorsement. Those just seem like the two likeliest uh, because you have to get to the 60 percent. And I believe that Jensen will be on top. Um, and so um, if we end up in a primary, then we stay divided. And Minnesota has a late primary. It's August. Uh, and so that's the entire summer of campaigning where Republicans will be, you know, uh, focused on each other. Now, media will also be focused on the Republicans. So it's an opportunity for those candidates to get their name out there. Um, but going against a strong incumbent governor who has a lot of money in the bank, uh, you know, it would, be, it would be best if Republicans can unify. Uh, but there's just, you know, there's a lot of factors in that. And I know you don't have a horse in the race, right? Um, so I don't have a horse in the race. So I know them all. <laughs> what's, what's the best outcome, then, for Republicans from this convention, as far as you can tell? That they endorse Jensen, in, I, in your opinion? Well, I don't know. if that, I, I think that it's best to endorse, um, hmm. because that gives you the summer. It gives you time to raise money. Um, I, I'm, I'm, at this point, the polls are showing pretty much a generic Republican without a name is doing quite well against Tim Walls, which, uh, you know, shows that the governor, you know, at this moment, and as a snapshot, is vulnerable. Um, and so I would just say that, you know, take, I, I can't put a name in there, but right now, a, a strong generic Republican uh, and a Republican that has every the party behind them as soon as possible is the best option. Amy Koch, thanks a lot for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Have fun. <laughs> Thanks. Amy Koch is a former Republican Senate Majority Leader, a political strategist, and one of the voices on the Wrong About Everything podcast. And we are continuing our live broadcast from the Mayo Civic Center and the Republican State Convention. I'm joined by two more delegates now. Mickey Murray is from St. Paul. Yes, Thanks I am. For, Thanks for coming. And Betsy Elke. Yes. Where are you from, Betsy? Elko. From Elko. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not the smartest, sharpest tool in the shed, but just sitting here, I have an idea you two might be backing different candidates for <laughs> How could you Our tell? Helps. <laughs> well, Mickey Murray, I say that because you have a red Gazelka shirt on. That I do. Why yes. do you like Paul Gazelka? I've actually been a supporter of Senator Gazelka even before he announced running for governor. Um, as a Republican, I appreciate that he's not 
put a lot of energy into what I'll call throwing Republicans under the bus. I'm one that recognizes the spectrum of being conservative from very to not as much. And um, I, I appreciate that he appreciates that as well. And so I think, you know, when you can agree, you do it. And frankly, you earn every vote. Betsy Elke, uh, my, my spider senses tell me that you are a Scott Jensen delegate because of the Scott Jensen football jersey. Yes. What is it about Scott Jensen that got you interested in <sighs> backing him? There's so much about Scott, but I think in the beginning, especially with the pandemic, him putting his medical license on the line for the people and standing up for health freedom um, is really what got me. We also had a meet and greet uh, with my family, and I tell you, the first time I heard him spoke in a small setting, I I literally teared up. Like, he really cares, and to me, that's important. I mean, I I feel when I talk to him, he listens, and and that's what we need. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and what, Mickey, let me go back to you. What's the top issue for you in the race? Is there a top issue for you? Um, a lot of it has to do with just uh, economy, job security, ability to feed your family, pay your bills. Um, that's showing up in a lot of different ways. And um, while that's a national issue, that also pays out, plays out here locally in Minnesota um, with our ability to get jobs, uh, sustain them, but then also create them with uh, industries that we can grow or develop. And um, I believe that uh, Senator Gazelka has um, played his hand in a number of different ways to make that happen. And I think he's a strong supporter for a lot of different um, avenues to make our family stronger and our economy stronger in Minnesota. And you think um, Republicans would do that better than the current administration? Um, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's... Uh, well, we have a, a little bit of history where we we don't have uh, the strength in our economy that we could have. And some of that is local. Some of it's international. Um, but quite a bit of it is still here within the state. And it's things that we can control or impact. And I believe we need a different take on getting some of that stuff done. And Betsy Elke, you mentioned uh, medical health freedom. Mm-hmm. Is that the number one issue for you? Um, it's right up there along with... Uh Electoral integrity. I, I think we really need to get back to the basics with our voting. I think we do need voter ID. Um, I, I personally know uh, a person that got through uh, to a delegate position that uh, was not living at the address that they were at, actually, in another city. Um, and it's up to us as delegates, too, to be aware and open our eyes and, and see what's going on out there because it's starting with our neighbors. I mean, it's in our, in our back door. Um, I think it's an important issue. And so does this issue about electronic voting versus paper balloting here at the convention mean much to you or mean anything to you? It it means a lot to me. I believe if the electoral voting is properly done with a secure system, it speeds up our process. I mean, we don't have a lot of time to come together and make decisions. Um, Paper ballots, I love them. I think they're great. Um, It's time consuming. We'll be here. We won't have an endorsement if we go to paper ballots. What do you think, Mickey? I believe that there is room for both. Um, now, is it necessary? Not not necessarily so for a, a, an avenue like this a, with a convention. Um, I think the, the whole thing around electronic voting is connection to the Internet and how live that is during the process. Well, it doesn't exist at all. Therefore, the security concerns that people are raising really don't exist with uh, this event. 
So you're fine with electronic voting? I am fine with electronic voting. And do you agree that if, if it's not electronic, that it could take so long that you just won't get an endorsement? Well, we'll get something done. We may not get everything done. Hmm. Interesting. Um, what do you hope to hear from Gazelka this weekend? How's he going to fire people up? Um, well, you know, he's, he needs to stay strong on the fact that he's been active. He knows a lot of these players, and he's done well um, in representing interests, not only on our side, but also keeping the door open for others, and, you know, other colleagues on the other side of the aisle as well. And um, he, he hasn't sacrificed his convictions in doing that. And um, the, he recognizes there's room. Everybody needs to, you know, they represent somebody, and we, everybody needs to do it well. Betsy, what do you think Scott Jensen has to say at this convention to wrap it up and to get people to give him that 60%? I think he's got it. He, uh, he speaks, and, I mean, people listen. He, he has it. Um, electability, uh, Scott doesn't need to say much. I, I believe when he speaks, he speaks from his heart, um, and, and I believe people do believe in him. I mean, whoever their candidate is right now, I, I think as we get through the voting process, um, Scott's going to come out ahead. What if he doesn't? What if somebody else gets endorsed? How hard is it going to be for you to get behind somebody else as a candidate in November? I believe in our party. Um, Minnesota needs to get back to normal, and we all need to get behind each other and and support each other. And whoever is endorsed, I I will support them because I do support my state. I mean, part of my delegate process is me trying to do something to make a difference. And that's why I'm here. That's why we're all here. Um, And I think we all need to come together and uh, maybe mature a little bit. Mickey Murray, what about you? If if uh, Paul Gazelka isn't standing on the stage at the end, you know, with his hands in the air, somebody else up there, would you back them in November? Absolutely. I believe the delegates do speak first at every level. And however that voice comes together, it needs to actually be together when we leave as well. So you think the party will be united this fall? There's always a call for that at every convention, um, and it doesn't necessarily go as smoothly as we want, but that's where the rest of us come together and actually encourage people to jump in and stay engaged. Betsy, you're nodding your head in agreement. I agree, 100%. Um, and what do Republicans have to do to win in the fall? we got a lot of work ahead of us, but I think the... I think the movement's in place. I mean, I think there's so many more people involved right now that we can handle it. We can handle it. I believe we've got a a strong message, and it's resonating um, across the so-called aisle Mm -hmm. um, just because of the things that are happening in our state and our nation and around the world, um, and that people are looking for solutions that are different because we're not finding them. That's Mickey Murray. She's a... uh Paul Gazelka, delegate from St. Paul, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you for having me. And Betsy Elke, Scott Jensen, delegate from Elko, thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, some music is playing, but I'll keep talking because Brian Baxt is back here as well as we uh, continue our coverage, live coverage of the Republican convention in Rochester. Uh, Brian, uh, what do you make of uh, what some of these delegates have had to say today? I think they're a lot more open-minded than people will give them credit for, that they are open, they're speaking the same set of issues, and they they're, they're happen to be on different sides of the, the fence when it comes to the candidates. And we'll see if that's the case come Saturday evening when this convention closes, if the party is together or if there's going to be a fracture uh, to fix. Well, how much of a brawl do you think this could be? How, how nasty could it get out there as they're each of these 
six, maybe five, maybe candidates are are trying to get this endorsement. Well, these conventions can be a little sharp, and you know, lots lots of literature about past votes or stances or even contributions to candidates that from the other party come up. But uh, in the end, they're, they're all they're all talking about the same issues. They're talking about COVID. They're talking about elections. They're talking about crime. And I think the party feels like as long as they keep on those issues, they'll keep the party together. Amy Koch said uh, she thought it would be Scott Jensen or no endorsement. Do you think that's a reasonable prediction? You you talk to uh, 15 different people, you probably get 15 (laughs) different answers. There's a lot of folks out there who feel like uh, there will be an endorsement. It might not be Scott Jensen, but there is a genuine desire to settle this here rather than settle this in August when there's just a couple months to go. And the Democrats hold their convention in the same building next week, but with a lot less suspense about who the endorsed candidates will be coming out. In terms of Democrats, they, they know what their statewide ticket is going to look like. They just don't know if they're going to be all to, united on issues about crime and policing, about environment and mining. There, there could still be some drama at the DFL convention next week. And what do you make of the KSTP-TV had a poll last night that showed uh, Tim Walls at about 45%, sort mm-hmm. of a ceiling mm-hmm. there. And these uh, Republican candidates, you know, in various positions, trailing from 5 to 12 points. Um, is Walls in trouble? I think Walls is definitely on guard. He's not going to get surprised, as some of his uh, Democrats in other parts of the country have been surprised. Uh, he won this race handily in in 2018. I don't think anybody expects it to be a, the same kind of runaway. It would be helpful, wouldn't it, if they scheduled these conventions not in the last week of the legislative session? And there's that, too. I mean, there's a lot to be resolved yet at the Capitol. And whether there's checks going out in the fall to a lot of people, that could be uh, determinant as well. Brian Baxt, our reporter, you'll have your eyes on the convention all weekend. We'll have all the latest at nprnews.org. For now, that'll do it. From Rochester, I'm Mike Mulcahy. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Mulcahy. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. If you want to catch the show live, tune in each Friday at noon. I'll be talking about what's happening at the legislature, the 2022 elections, and other things.